Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Ice Sport Radio. It's our rest of the league show. I feel like we haven't done one of these in a while, fam. I've kind of been missing it, but at the same time, now that the trade deadline's over, it's just like, oh, cool, games. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. I'm your director <laughs> of fun and games for the evening. Uh, listen, I love watching games, but a lot of times, unless, like, you know, someone swings their stick at somebody or... Uh, a, a coach tells a ref to go fuck himself. There's not a whole lot to go on about. But we will uh, we will persist. Let's get right to it. Let's start it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I know this is the NHL show, but literally the only hockey-related content that I can be bothered to think about today is Travis Konechny's chirps. And that's a good thing to bring up because I have often felt like uh, when they did like the... Uh, the 24-7 stuff leading up to Winter Classics, if they had a weekly show like that, the NHL would be more popular. I would watch that like, all day put long. Put it they on should, HBO, yeah. put it on HBO, make it uncensored, and just have the players talking shit. Like, oh, it would be so good. Yeah, they should make these, at least some guys, up for every single game just to see what you end up with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I've reached the point of the year, this always happens around this time of year, where I just find it really tough to care about anything hockey-related. Because, like, <laughs> the trade deadline's over, so there's nothing going on except games. And the games, like, yeah, I get that they matter, but we're still a month away from the playoffs. And you're just kind of like, all right, well, we're now just sort of treading water, and we're trying to pretend that teams like the Flyers really can make the playoffs until we get to two weeks left in the season, and there's only nine teams in the conference that have any chance of making the playoffs. It's just, I don't know, this is just a point of the year where I get really tired of a lot of the storylines that are flying around. And that's the show for the evening. Thank you all so much. <laughs> no, but, Charlie, I think you make a good point. Like, I let off saying, hey, it's kind of just games at this point now, and when you see... Like, last night, every team gets a point. Like, oh, the teams are kind of feeling this way, too. Like, let's just not blow it this month. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, let's get through March. Uh, and that's kind of just where we are. It's a fucking long season. What, Steph? It's a long season. It, it really sure is. is. No, I. It, it absolutely is. And that voice right there was my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So, apparently, the Bruins... <laughs> didn't lose a game in regulation in the month of February. Ew. And on top of that, Brad Marchand, 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 Brad, is uh, on Twitter trying to uh, tamper in Mitch Marner's new deal. Yeah, I was liking that. I like, I like that he's stirring the pot off the ice. Like he's a little, he's a little instigator off the ice as well. As well, he's saying he sh- uh, Marner should get twelve million AAV on his next deal. Um, we know a little Can't bit about do that. <laughs> yeah, we know a little bit about tampering in this town with Bryce Harper. Just saying, yeah, I'm gonna get us Mike Trout. Um, I gotta mention Bryce Harper at every possible opportunity from for the rest of my life now. Because is that your contract? I don't think it is. He's a major part of my life. Uh, it's just kind of <laughs> the way it is. I'm in a I'm in a polyamorous relationship with Ava Graham and Bryce Harper. <laughs> and Guinness Extra Stout. Uh, yeah, it's uh I had no idea. That should have been I feel like I should have known that that the Bruins didn't lose a uh I, I guess I just don't pay attention to anything in February because I can't say it. 
Who well, cares? that's because you go to theathletic.com and not SB Nation backslash NHL. I go there sometimes. Oh, no, Blog Wars. Who cares about the Bruins? Like, th- I think that's what it <laughs> boils down to. Like, they're, they're, they're a fine team. They're not as good as the Lightning. They're not as good as the Maple Leafs. I don't care that they're they're technically technically have a better record than the Maple Leafs. They're not. They're they're not going to win the conference. So I that's great. Good good job. Pat you on the pat you on the top of the head. You guys didn't lose a game regulation. Wonderful. No one cares. <laughs> Charlie's a Boston hater today. I love it. Uh, let's get right into it, guys. Because I thought the thing we should lead off with uh, since. Like, the biggest story lately was in the trade deadline. Obviously, it's well past now. But the Blue Jackets were an intriguing team heading into that deadline. Are they going to sell? Are they going to keep their UFAs as their own rentals? Well, it turns out they bought. They not only kept Panarin and Bobrovsky, they added Matt Duchesne, Ryan McQuaid, Keith Kincaid, Ryan Dezingle, who's, you know, I just absolutely love. And, of course, their reward for this, the going all in, um, they are 1-3-1 and one since the deadline. They are at 77 points, two behind Montreal, Pittsburgh, and Carolina for the two wild cards since third in the Metro. That's right. Since they went all in, they're out. I love I it, just, personally. Like, what is going on? Like, what are the Blue Jackets? Why aren't they better? Just look at their roster. They should be better. I mean, it's only been a handful mm-hmm. of games. It's not like the sky is falling. It's not, but they were falling apart like a month and a half ago, and then it looked like they figured it out. Okay, we're good. And now uh, they upset the chemistry. I don't know what the issue is, but the fact is they're on the outside looking in, and it's a team now with a whole bunch tied up in guys who probably aren't going to stay if they don't make the playoffs. Well, I don't I mean, think they're, they're going to stay, period. Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> well, going to say. Yeah, I don't think I there's think any chance they're staying. Shane might or Dezingle or something. Maybe. Yeah, they, they might. But the two big guys aren't. No, I, I think, tr- truthfully, I think the biggest problem with the with the Blue Jackets, interestingly enough, is Bobrovsky. It's that he sucked this year. And, like, he's had some runs. But, like, you look at their two goalies. Bobrovsky has a 905 save percentage. Corbisal has an 897 save percentage. Like, that's... Those are the types of goalie numbers when you're looking at a team and you're like, man, why aren't they as good as they're supposed to be? It's because their goalies aren't playing well. And it it especially hurts Columbus because Bob is supposed to be good and he's probably going to leave. But like if he has if Bob has a usual like 915 to 925 save percentage, they're probably in second in the division. So to me, like that's the big problem is that if Bobrovsky remembers that he's Sergei Bobrovsky at some point during the final month of the year, they'll be fine. If he doesn't, they're going to have to sweat it out until the end. I'm personally tired of the Blue Jackets and have been for several years now, so I'm very much here for their demise, even if it doesn't make any sense. I'd rather have the Blue Jackets in the playoffs than the Penguins. Well, fair. And it looks like it's going to be one of the two of them battling it out, and or one of the two of them making it and the other one from the outside. So I would much rather it be the Blue Jackets. i got to tell you, especially in a year where the Flyers just aren't it, um, I'd rather just watch good hockey and the Penguins like play a better brand of hockey. I-, I feel like in the playoffs I'd rather watch Sidney Crosby than – a team led by Matt Duchesne. I don't you've, know. You've Weird that Matt point, Duchesne though. is not as good as everybody thought that he was. You've always made this point, though, Bill. Like, you're always, like, secretly a Penguins fan. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, don't think it's, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Penguins fan. I'm just an appreciator of what they have. Like, if I'm going to sit here and hate, 
the greatest fucking team I'm going to get to watch in a decade, I'm going to be miserable. And no, since right. I choose, since I don't want to be miserable, I just have to deal with it being the goddamn Penguins. At least it's not the Senators. You Jack know? Johnson. We, you know, he really, he really makes the playoffs complete for me. Yeah, but like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are two of the best players I'm ever going to get to see. Well, and it has nothing to do with Jack Johnson. He's going to play 14 minutes a night. Yeah, I get I get way more enjoyment. I would get way more enjoyment laughing at them for missing the playoffs. Like I would they're literally not gonna miss. I I would la- well yeah, I don't think I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I would enjoy for the next 12 months to be able to respond to every Penguins fan that you didn't make the playoffs. I think it way would be more a enjoyment than watching them get to the second round of the playoffs and get to watch Sidney Crosby have a couple of nice goals. Yeah, I'd rather see highlights. But I will tell you, I think what's going to happen now with Bobrovsky He's not going to get it to get – they're going to squeak in, and since he's always been a good regular season and a bad playoff goalie, he's going to pull the reverse. He's going reverse psychology on everybody right now. This is just a setup. Oh, so he's going to, like, trick everyone into thinking he sucks, and then he's going to play for his contract in the playoffs. Yeah, there we exactly. Go. It's a bold playoffs, strategy, Cotton. Since the playoffs are the only thing that matter, we hear that all the time, he's just like, you know what, I'm saving it for that. Got to get there, buddy. Like, I have a degree of I, – I think it would be funny if, in a way, if Columbus doesn't make the playoffs just because they sold and, you know, they gave up pieces for the future to buy now. And if they lose them all and don't even make the playoffs for all their trouble, that is kind of funny, especially in a, hey, you're a division rival. You just blew up your future for no reason type of funny. But at the same time, I do kind of wonder if – I think the game is better for GMs like Hekaline and being aggressive at the trade deadline. And I wonder if, like, if Columbus doesn't make the playoffs and this whole thing blows up in his face, if that just serves as a cautionary tale for other GMs to be boring and do nothing at trade deadlines. Because, see, this is what happens when you go all in, you get burned. Oh, 100%. Because we always hear anyway, like, even forget making the playoffs. Oh, well, they didn't win the cup, so it didn't mean anything. Like, it's always that zero-sum game where, like, that, I don't know, man, one team wins. Should you just not try? Like, I, it's, it's always that. So, yeah, I can absolutely hear the week before next trade deadline someone being on that bubble and just going, well, look at what happened to Columbus last year. We're just going to take our chances with what we've got. And oh, nothing God. fucking happens. Yeah, that is ex- that's exactly how NHL GMs function. So yeah. that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, they all live in fear, except for Paul Holmgren, who probably should have had at least a tad bit more fear. <laughs> Just like a smidge. Or any. A smidge. Just a bit. All right, guys, I want to switch gears here for a second, and I want to get your take on this new rule proposed. Uh, the NHL is finally going to do something about the asinine way they call offside and goalie interference. Oh, well, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, this new rule proposed is helmetless skater must leave ice. If you lose your helmet in the course of play, uh, you just have to get right off the ice. The The American Hockey League allows a player to remain on the ice. They put this in a few years ago. You can stay if you can, like, pick it up and put it right back on. Uh, The IIHF has the rule, if you lose your helmet, you got to get right off. Uh, You can be assessed a two-minute penalty if you fail to immediately leave the ice. Uh, What what, what do you think? Like, is this... I get we want to prevent head injuries. I just feel like this isn't... 
How many times do guys even lose a helmet? It doesn't... This is like a once-a-month a issue. Yeah, so speaking of NHL GMs being boring, this is like the most exciting thing to come out of the GM meetings this year, so that should tell you just about how exciting they were. I mean, it's like, it's a nice gesture. Like, hey, we really do care about head injuries. We swear to God we do. We're going to make guys get off the ice if they lose their helmet. But like, like you're saying, it's not, I don't really think it's a big, huge problem that needed solving. And they still don't really do anything consistent with actual plays that cause actual head injuries. So until they, until they do that, like I'm, everything's just a bunch of theater in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's definitely how I feel too. It doesn't happen often enough for it to really make a difference. And when has a skater without a helmet been involved in any type of injury? Like I, I can't think of, I can't think of any time in the last handful of years that a player has lost his helmet and then got checked into the boards. Or, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Or, like, fell. Like, I can't, I can't think of any, not one single instance. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess this, this makes sense because it, like, from a safety standpoint, I get it. You don't really want guys flying around without uh, without helmets on in any circumstances. I understand that. But I agree with Steph in that this doesn't seem like it. Maybe it's a good thing that the NHL is getting out in front of a potential problem rather than waiting for a problem to happen and then responding to some sort of bad situation yeah, that occurs yeah. as a result. So maybe we should look at it that way. It is kind of weird that this just sort of popped up. But maybe it's only popped up because, like, it's been tried out in lower leagues and they've liked the, you know, the way it's worked out, so whatever. I mean, personally, like, I enjoy the occasional, like, guy gets his helmet knocked off and then makes a, you know, a ballsy play. Like, I, I yeah, like yeah. that subjectively as a hockey fan. I understand rationally that it's safer if they don't do that. So I understand why, you know, maybe that's not a good idea, even though my personal enjoyment, I like seeing that once in a while. Um I almost wonder if this is like an insurance thing, like as cynical oh. as that sounds like this is almost hmm. like insurance companies are being like, Hey, you have helmets. Why the hell aren't your players always wearing helmets? You might want to change that. Like maybe it's a way to lower insurance premiums. Like it's just, it, it, it's, it's a weird sort of thing for me because it does seem like it's addressing a problem that hasn't turned into a real problem yet. So I don't know why they would be incentivized to go preventative like this. And that's why I, I immediately go to cynical explanations, but like, I don't disagree with it. It's probably safer if people with helmets get off the ice as quickly as possible. Yeah, this is a fine rule. And honestly, I thought they implemented it when the AHL implemented it. And, like, that season I saw a guy lose his helmet and stay on the ice and was like, hey, what the – what? oh, no. It's And then someone told me that's just an AHL. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense then. But, yeah, I don't disagree with the spirit of the rule. Guys potentially cracking their heads open, that's probably bad. We should prevent that. But like Kelly said, it does just seem like theater. Like, this just seems as if in the next round of concussion lawsuits, it's, we've done this, this, and this. Yeah, and, that, like, that's, and that's, that's the a good point. only reason. Like, yeah, that's why point. it's a thing. It's not for any reason other than, oh, yeah, well, we're just, we don't want to get caught up in more litigation. See how much we care, you guys? Yeah. We really, really care. Uh, the general managers also favor making helmets mandatory during pregame warm-ups, but that is not part of this uh, proposed rule change right now. I I don't know. I guess, again, safer, but 
in, in a in a league where like we were just talking, I feel like guys not wearing their helmets, getting their flow going, people like up against the glass, kind of getting that exposure. If you were to do the thing where guys are mic'd up more regularly and we could see it, it's just one more thing uh, creating a barrier between the NHL and exposure. I don't know. And and that's even more stupid. Like, what could possibly happen during pregame skate that would lead to a head injury? Like, a guy would have to, like, completely lose an edge and have been going so fast that he's going to fling his body into the boards and then hit the boards directly on his head. Like, it's just, like, nothing's going to happen during a pregame skate that a helmet would help you with. Or the number one center and number four defenseman could start drills at different times, not be looking at each other, and one could tear <laughs> their MCL in the middle of a playoff series. I guess that could happen. Yeah, it's... Theoretically. Like the pregame pre warm-up is kind of chaos, much like practice, just because you have guys going in a lot of different directions. And again, I understand the spirit of it. I just... My issue is that, two, it just seems, one, it just seems like theater, and two, there are actual issues with this league that need to be addressed. So many Guys of them. swing their sticks at each other and get one or two games. Like, I, I don't, I, like, offside is a goddamn guessing game. Goalie interference is spin a wheel. It's like, oh, you know what we need to do? Address this thing that isn't yet an issue. And I'm, I agree, we should do it now rather than after someone dies. But, like, can't we do multiple things at once? This seems like a multitasking situation here. Listen, you can kill Nolan Patrick on the ice. That's <laughs> totally allowed. But don't you dare step out for warm-ups without a helmet. Yeah, I, I just... Kelly, you said you read an interesting article about offer sheets. We were talking about it before we started recording. Uh, and it gets more into that, like... Uh, it, when you were explaining it to me, the preemptive idea, like, it just sounded to me like GMs are saying... Uh, well, we know there's going to be some sort of arbitration about this soon, so let's go to our defenses in line. Because I talk about players sh should be striking or something, suing about collusion in terms of what's going to happen with offer sheets this summer. So tell me the gist of this article you read. Yeah, it was on um, Charlie's website that his dad bought him, um, theathletic.com. <laughs> uh, it was a Pierre Lebrun piece about the fact that if like we've been talking about for a thousand years if anyone's going to offer sheet this summer is the summer that you offer sheet just because of the names that are available on the rfa market um but essentially like one of the main reasons that gms claim that they don't do it anymore um is not to drive down the wages of their labor as we were discussing it's actually because yeah it's because it's like you have such a great chance of winning the number one overall pick if you're a bubble playoff team because of the way the lottery is set up. It's just not worth it to give up picks for a player that might marginally improve your bubble team. So they just don't think it's worth doing. Sounds like bullshit. A little bit. Sounds, little bit. Uh, sounds like it stinks. Yeah, let me tell you, Miko Rantanen and Mitch Marner and uh, Braden Point, these guys would only marginally improve any team. Uh I definitely. I mean, what yeah. are they worth? Five wins apiece? I would definitely <laughs> rather have a 3% chance at the number one overall pick than Mitch Marner, for sure. I do These think, fucking idiots. Do they really think that we believe that? I do yes. think there's something to be said about, like, if you're the Detroit Red Wings, like, let's assume the Detroit Red Wings didn't have a terrible cap situation. Like, there's something to be said about the Detroit Red Wings probably not it's probably not the smartest thing for them to go out and offer sheet Braden Point. Not because Braden Point isn't a great player, but because, like, 
you don't Braden Point is not going to make the Red Wings a playoff team. He's good. He's not that good. We we already seen that with regards to um you know with regards to Connor McDavid and Edmonton. So the best chance because like Braden Point will probably get paid you know ten mil a year. His he's probably provides the value of like a thirteen fourteen mil a year guy. So you're probably getting about four million dollars of surplus value. So still good good thing to have Braden Point. But is that surplus value enough to push? the Red Wings into contention? No, they have too many holes. So for them, it might be better to be like, well, I mean, we have a 20, uh, you know, a 10% chance of getting the first overall pick and maybe a, you know, a combined 20% chance of getting one of Hughes or Capococco. And if we get them and they're really good, then we could potentially save, you know, you know, tens of millions of dollars in value by having them under their cheap contract while we're continuing to build the team elsewhere. So like, I agree that if you're a really bad team, making an off like offer sheeting an already great player might not really fit your timeline. But if you're a mid-tier to good team and you have the cash space to do it, then you absolutely should be looking into it. Oh yeah, that's like the actually bad teams who could very well get a top 5 or first overall pick, like it's likely. Yeah. Sure. No, do that's why the lottery is set up the way it is. The Flyers jumping from 13 to 2 is a crazy anomaly you know like that's not going to happen every year and like those bubble teams should do like look at the whole eastern conference outside of like the sens and the red wings the whole fucking conference is on the bubble like any single one of those teams should want to take uh brayden point away from the only powerhouse in the division or in the conference like it doesn't make any sense not to want to do that unless you are actually a terrible team yeah, I just can't imagine a terrible team would be offer sheeting anyone anyway. Because if you're in a rebuild, yeah, I mean, like, there's no point to it. And why would they accept unless right. it was just some crazy AAV? Like, yeah, if if I'm Braden Point and you know uh, Tampa's offering me eight and Detroit's offering me fourteen, all right, I'll I'll live with it. I'll go to Detroit. But if it's you know ten and twelve, I'm just gonna stay down here, bro. It's sunny, no taxes. <laughs> oh god if i hear that no taxes argument one more time i'm gonna lose my mind i was just in clearwater i gotta tell you i never th- felt so highly about florida as a person who's bashed florida for years uh made a living out of it on the radio uh, tampa area not too bad not you're a scientologist now aren't you i knew what? it was gonna happen what's up you're a scientologist now aren't you i'm thinking about going mormon for bryce harper you went to clearwater and you got sucked right in I, I I saw the Scientology Center. It's uh it's freaking gigantic. They own uh, that whole it, town pretty much. Yeah, that's every like Uber driver wants to tell you, hey, that's like the place of the Scientologists. Sometimes you can see Tom Cruise coming in and out of there. I'm like, no, you fucking Ooh. can't. Dude. <laughs> Yo, every Uber driver in Clearwater, we'll get back on track in a second. But every <laughs> Uber driver there is the most interesting person ever. Like, it is incredible. I don't understand Florida. Oh, my God. Just, like, telling me about fetish con and, oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, offer sheets. Let's do them. Um, Steal Braden Point, please. So just before we move on real quick, the other thing apparently that came out of the GM meetings, which I also read on Charlie's website, um, is apparently all of the GMs are super pissy that Vegas doesn't have to participate in the next expansion draft. They're like being big <laughs> whiny piss babies about it. Of course they are. And apparently the mil. 
Yeah, the league is going to be like super, super screw. I forgot the word I was going to say, but they're going to be like really looking hard at any trade that anyone makes with the Vegas Golden Knights leading up to the expansion draft because they're afraid that teams are going to try to park their good players in Vegas and then somehow get them back. Like, I don't know what they think is going to happen, but it just seemed like, I don't know. They're very whiny people. Are they suggesting, however, that they should cut Vegas in on the $650 million expansion fee? No, they're not oh, suggesting that. Right, right, exactly. No, no. Yeah, so they want to not give that franchise that they just took $500 million from any of the money Seattle's giving the league. But then they also, like, they're just so pissed that, like, Florida got so badly embarrassed. That's all. And that Vegas so was good, pissed. I think. The league is so pissed that the good hockey men of some of these organizations got spanked so badly by an expansion team. All right. You're not so, wrong. <laughs> Carry Price. At least let's the GMs talk. are mad. No, pretty much every, like, there's like two good fucking, there's like two well-run franchises in this whole league. I'm convinced of it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and like one of them isn't Pittsburgh, who is three of the last like ten cups. It's unbelievable. They have Jack Goddamn Johnson signed to a five-year deal, and that's who's running. Ugh. Anyway. And Erica Branson. Don't forget about yeah. him. Of course. How could you? He's, got, he's the good man. Um, he's the good brand. Carey Price. Carey Price ch- tied uh, Jacques Plant last night on the Canadians franchise win list with 314. Uh, I know wins aren't like the stat by which to judge an individual. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but... Wins and losses are, at the end of the day, kind of important. Uh, And I think tying a franchise and league legend provides the opportunity to discuss something I go back and forth on a lot. Has Carey Price been a disappointment? I would say, if I was answering that question, which I am, I would say overall, no. But since he signed his giant contract, yes. I think he's just the classic example of why, like, goaltending is, not to say it's not incredibly important, it is, but it's just, I think teams can get caught up in the idea of, we have a great goalie, and it makes them blind to other problems with their roster. Like, I really believe that's what happened more than anything to Lundqvist, is that the Rangers... The Rangers had, like, a two-year period where they were actually a good team, and they had Lundqvist behind them. And then after that, they started kind of collapsing. Their skaters weren't as good as they thought they were, but because they had Lundqvist, everybody still looked good on the surface, and they were still winning games. So it was like, yeah, we can just keep, you know, throwing Derek Stepan out as our number one center and pretending that all these, like, and pretending that, like, Dan Girardi is actually a top pair defenseman, and it's fine because we're winning, and then, you know, the whole, the whole house of cards falls apart, and then you have a 36-year-old Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist, and you have no chance of building a cup team around him. And I think that's kind of what the team like Montreal can fall into, is that, you know, you, you lean so much on your great goalie that you forget to build a good team around him. And I sort of think that's kind of what happened with Carey Price and what may continue to happen with Carey Price. I don't know. That, that's just my theory. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. It's not that Carey Price himself has been a disappointment. He's been injured, and he's been you know, still better than 90% of the goalies in the league. Um, I don't know. There's this weird faction of people that think that he's bad, which I don't 
yeah, that's quite fair. understand. Yeah, he's not a bad goalie Mm-mm. by any. I'm not suggesting that by any means. No. But you know, Montreal is busy doing Montreal things, which yeah. don't quite make sense to the rest of the league. Because no one understands French. There's that. <laughs> yeah, I think like a great goalie can mask a lot of your problems, as we've seen with the Flyers. The opposite. Like, a bad goalie can really say, oh, yeah, we're mediocre. Oh, no, we're terrible. Uh, like, it, it can go both ways. But when you don't build at least a decent team in front of him, he can only get you so far. And we've seen it in his eleven in his first 11 seasons, the Habs have only missed the playoffs three times. That's not bad considering the teams they've iced in a lot of those years. Uh, but they've only been to one Eastern Conference final, not including when Halak took them in, 20, or in 2010. I'm just talking about what Carey Price has accomplished himself. But outside of 2014-15, when he had the all-time season, he won the Vezina, the Hart, the Jennings. He had the most wins, best save percentage, best goals against, best goal save above average. Like Outside of that, I don't know if he's been the dominant guy um, that we kind of thought he was. But looking at his numbers this year, uh, 917 save percentage, 251 goals against. His career is 918 and 247. So, like, he's basically hitting his career averages and the team's in a playoff spot right now. But, yeah, they just haven't had the team in front of them to go further than he could take them, which is a round or two. I, it's, I yeah. feel like he should have accomplished more, but at the same time, I recognize... Yeah, this is the team that thought, you know, Subban for Weber, one for one, was a good idea. I think it's also one of those things where, like, and this is a thing that happens all the time that I am both guilty of and also am annoyed by, when a player is given a giant contract that they probably shouldn't have been given, automatically that player is held to a standard that matches the contract despite the fact that he probably never put up the numbers that should have gotten him that contract so it's like a weird thing where it's like okay you're getting paid like 84 million dollars by this team to be the cornerstone of the franchise you better be fucking good and if you're not good all the time then you're somehow a failure and it's just like it's one of those things where it's just like you sign that giant contract if you immediately don't live up to it i think that you let some people down that's, and this is year one. This is uh, this is Price's age 31 season. This is year one of his eight-year, $84 million contract. Of course, he has the full no move. And I get it. Like, you have a carry Price. What do you do? Like, do you just let him go? What, well, you lock him up. Yeah, you have to do it. But, uh, like, you got to put the team in front of him. I, I, I go back and forth on whether or not he's been a disappointment just because... Like, he hasn't been Patrick Waugh. No matter how what kind of team has been in front of him, he hasn't been that, but that is the greatest thing ever. So I guess it depends on what your expectations were. Yeah, I, and I think that, yeah, I think that the expectations for him were too high based on a very short amount of time of him playing lights out and then them paying him a whole fuck ton of money. All right, that's fair. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. I don't know what this means to you, but I felt like, I don't know. I saw this on Twitter right before the show. Uh, Down Goes Brown tweeted, uh, Sean McIndoe. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he tweeted, Random weird fact. If the playoffs started today, the Western Conference would be sending eight teams who who have won a combined two Stanley Cups 
in 226 seasons. Uh, those two teams are the Pacific Division-leading Calgary Flames, who won in 89, and the Dallas Stars, who currently hold the first wildcard spot. They, of course, won in 99. I, I don't know. This is what the league wants, right? Like, e- even in the East, you look some of the more recent cup champs that are in the, in the West, but, like, it's not – there's no dominant team other than Tampa, and they haven't won in a little while. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like this is good for the league that we're going to get to see probably at least a Western Conference champ that we haven't seen a ton of. No, I think it's yeah, good. I mean, one of those teams has only existed for one year. Yeah, yeah. Um, The West is a fucking mess. But it is it's so bad. It's hilariously bad. <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of this honestly is, you know, Maybe it's a story that hasn't been talked about enough because we all just realized within the first two months of the year that both these teams were trash, is the fact that the worst team in the Pacific is the LA Kings and the worst team in the Western, uh, in the Central is, uh, is Chicago. So you're talking about like the two powerhouses for the last decade are now the two worst teams in the conference. And that's neat because I was sick of both of them. So it's great that they're yeah. now not only not only not in the playoff picture, but they're actively bad. And I, I, I kind of feel like that's the way with the way the cap is set up. Like, that's kind of the way it's going to have to go. Like, you're going to be dominant for a window of time, and then you're going to suck for a while. And then, you know, the circle keeps on spinning. And I think that's what you're seeing. And I do think it's it's good um, just because it's, it's more fun. I get, like, for the reason, like, I don't want to see Pittsburgh again because I've had enough of them. So this is good. Give me something yeah. new. Like, the West seems pretty wide open. Uh, like, there are some teams like San Jose and Nashville that have been good for a little while and just haven't got over the hump. Uh, but, you know, Pittsburgh, L.A., and Chicago accounted for eight of the last ten cups. Of course, like Charlie said, L.A. and Chicago are garbage. But Pittsburgh, like, they're in a three-way tie with Montreal and Carolina right now, basically. Washington won last year. They're tied with the freaking Isles. Like, I, this just seems like the year... Where we have the, like, it's the most wide open. Even with Tampa Bay being a dominant team, like, this just seems like the year we're going to get the chance for an unconventional Stanley Cup final. God, I hope so. I would like it very much. Sharks, Leafs, baby. Glitter Knights. I mean, last year was a pretty unconventional final, though. That's true. I get that the Capitals, you know, they've been good for a long time, but no one, I think everybody just sort of assumed they were never going to win. And obviously yeah. no one expected the, the freaking Vegas Golden Knights to be in the final. Yeah, the, well, the, Caps, the Caps with their lack of playoff success, but it is like they've won a bunch of President's Trophies. They have maybe the greatest goal scorer ever. Like, they're a damn good team, and they have underachieved. Like, I think this is the – like, and they're on national TV all the time. I feel like this is the year we could get Buffalo or some shit. Like, Well, I mean, so are, like – I, I get where you're coming from, but I mean, like Kelly just said, wouldn't it be so fun if the Leafs were on, like, got the final? Like, they're on national TV, I guess maybe not American national TV, but, like, they're jammed down the throats of everyone in Canada forever. So, like, I guess they're fun because they're a fun team to watch, but, like, they're not exactly low profile. Neither is no. Boston. But they, haven't, but they haven't been actually good for a while. Like, the Leafs were very bad for quite a long stretch of time yeah the Leafs haven't been relevant since like like, the West was settled like 
their last cup they paraded down in stagecoaches. <laughs> what was the year that they blew the three one lead? Was that two years ago? Three years ago? Oh, Against was, Boston? That, oh, that was a little yeah. while ago. That was a while ago. That was, was that it? was pre pre Dubis. Like four or five years ago. Okay. So yeah, they've probably been good for four or five years then. It's still so fresh in our memories. Like well, they've really they've really only been good for like two years, right? Two, yeah. Last super year, good yeah. yeah i mean last year they were they were good was it actually no yeah this is uh yeah they so in 2016-17 they made the playoffs that was the first year of matthews um then last year they were actually legitimately good and then this year they're very good so yeah it's been this is the third year of toronto being good the year before that was the year they got they were so bad they got matthews <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it Looking, just uh, thinking about the way this is all shaking out right now, uh, there has been like a lot of concern about the uh, the playoff format, and it is kind of silly that you know we're gonna see Boston and Toronto in the first round, and I don't know, like how would you do it? Should they just go one eight? Should there be some one sort eight? Of, no, like, th- nothing else. Stop talking. One eight. It was fine before. It was good before. Just but do there that. was consideration given to um, division winners, right? Even if you weren't the second seed but won the division, you got the second seed? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But but other than that, just one through eight. Yeah. I kind of want to go 116. Forget all of it. Because, oh, God. Because, like, why not? I, just I mean, give me... I, I don't... I, I get the argument for that, but my two arguments against it are, number one, you might get really unlucky with um with travel like in the first round you could be like the one seed and end up having to do like a crazy amount of travel in the first round and that could put you at a disadvantage for later rounds and then number two i do like i like the fact that conferences allow for natural geographical rivalries that wouldn't necessarily come about to be created like i don't if you make it one through 16 the chances of like two teams playing against each other in three straight years in the playoffs like that's just not going to happen very often just purely from a mathematical standpoint i like that but what i don't like is the way it is now where you know you have the two best teams are in the same division in a conference and one of them's out by the second round like i, I don't like very that, dumb but... yeah i just feel the travel i get is a concern with you know my way which it'll never be so like i don't I'm not worried about, you know, it's not going to ever be 116. But, like, it's 2019. They're flying on private jets if they, like, just go to the 2-3-2 format and you only have to travel twice. Yeah. Yeah. There's still jet lag. Yeah, it's still, I mean, you could be on, like, a, I guess I've never been on a super nice plane. But I imagine that you're still tired after you get off a super nice plane if you travel a long distance. Well, and go a day early. Charlie, didn't the players in the player poll on your personal website say that they would prefer one eight? They like a lot of them liked one eight. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, a lot of them grew up watching one eight, so it makes sense. Um, I, to me, like I've always said, what I would love the most, and they'll never do it, is do the you know you pick your own matchups. That that <laughs> that to me would be the most fun way to do the playoffs. The pure but chaos a, option. Yeah, but like the obviously the NHL would never do that because it's too outside the box and too crazy. Here's the thing. It would be a great idea in theory, but if they implemented it, nobody would take anybody but the natural seed. Yep. That's what it would be. 
even if they implemented it, it would be like, yeah, we're just uh, going to take who we were supposed to play. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's the NHL, man. They take yeah, the fun maybe, out of everything. Yeah, maybe they're just too boring because they're yeah. too afraid that it's going to be like, you know, you've you've given bullets of poor material or something. Oh, yeah, because no, that, that would be the other fear. It's like, oh, my God, they chose us. We're going to do even better coke and kick their asses. <laughs> and, like, if, if you're the one seed and you pick, like, the six instead of the eight and then you lose, like, you're never going to hear the end of it forever. Which I think is the fun of it. Like, that's yeah, exactly. the oh, for us, fun. yeah. Like, but, yeah, <laughs> teams are so afraid of when we talk about the risk-averse nature. And it's not just it's not just hockey. That's, like, this is just the way a lot of businesses are run, sports or otherwise, risk-averse. Like, yeah, nobody wants that headline of, oh, my, t- Toronto, they picked Boston, and then Boston beat them in five. Everyone's fired. Like, they just never want that. All right, guys. Anyone have anything else? What's going on in your lives? I know Charlie's covering the game, so he's probably excited to get out of here in, like, a normal amount of time tonight. So yeah. I suppose that is... I've got, like, a weird bite on my arm that's exploded a little bit. That's what I'm dealing with. I'm oh, real tired fun. today. I don't know why. Well, the Flyers play, so everybody better get amped, because we are still making this playoff push, fam. It's happening. Last Ooh, day not. I need out. you to stop. Last day of the season shootout, baby. Carter Hart's coming back. I need you to stop a lot. (laughs) Carter Hart's coming back. I'm ready for it. Stanley Cup 2019. A lot of the time. Anyway, (laughs) that is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody.